Hi, my name is Ken Steele. I was on the radio airwaves in Northeast Ohio for almost 30 years, and then I wasn't. But now, after not being behind a microphone for over two years, I'm back. This is the Ken Steele Podcast, and it's called Here's What I'm Saying. And here it is. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Here we go. A podcast number seven underway. All right, so let's jump right to it. I want to talk about some uh, some movie stuff today, starting with, uh, well, I guess in, in stories of strange and weird and kind of morbid. Let's do this one. So you, you remember the story about a year ago, um, the Alec Baldwin movie, it's called Rust, where the cinematographer accidentally gets shot and killed, and then it became a big thing. And, uh, and before you start jumping into, yes, Alec Baldwin needs to be in jail. He's a, he, he shot her on purpose. I'm not, that's not what this is about. I don't believe that like Alec Baldwin, hate Alec Baldwin. Don't care either way about Alec Baldwin. I don't think he was purposely trying to injure anybody. I think it was a terrible accident in anyway. So it was about a year ago on the, if you don't remember, I'll just quickly refresh your memory on it. Yeah. Then that's basically what it was. They're shooting a movie. There was a scene where there was a gun pointed at the camera. It accidentally went off, had a live round in it. And a couple of people got, well, uh, her name is, uh, Helena Hutchins. She was a cinematographer. She got, she was killed. And then there was somebody else that was injured. So that was October 21st of last year. Story comes out, uh, now that they are going to continue the making the movie. They are going to finish the project, bring everybody back and continue the movie. Okay. So that right there has to be a little weird getting the crew back together and being back on that set. Right. But here's the weird part. Her husband, Matthew Hutchins, he had a wrongful death suit against many people, the production company, Alec Baldwin, many people. Apparently that's been settled or they dropped the wrongful death suit. They reached a settlement. Okay. But now here's the really weird part. He's now going to be this husband, Matthew Hutchins, is now going to be an executive producer on the movie. So he's going to be a part of the movie. Now, I don't exactly know what executive producers do. I know they fund the project. And uh, besides, you know, adding money to it, I guess sometimes they might have uh, a say in casting or script writing, but they're all beyond that point. So I can't imagine he's going to be there on set overseeing anything. And by the way, he's not even a movie guy. He's a lawyer. So to just to make him an executive producer on this movie, I'm, I'm guessing, what is that part of the settlement? And so anything that the movie would make in profit, he gets a cut of, is that what this is about? I, it's just all very strange. And, uh, and the husband, he's giving kind of his blessing to this movie to let it continue and go on. And, uh, and yeah, be, be an executive producer on it. So just very weird. I get it. There's a, there was a bunch of money probably already put into it. There's money to be made from it. And you gotta wonder, this is Hollywood. It's how they think they got to make their money back. Are they thinking we put this thing together? We put it out there. People are going to have that morbid curiosity just to see this movie and go, okay, where was the scene? Not that they're going to use the actual scene when the gun went off and 
this event happened. But I got to imagine that anytime there was a, a shooting scene when Alec Baldwin would shoot a gun, you would be thinking, is that the part of the script? Is that when it happened? Very weird that, uh, yeah, they're going to go forward with it. I don't know how long it's going to take, but they, I guess or by early 2023, it's supposed to be done, production wrapped, and uh, should be coming out sometime next year. On a lighter note, <laughs> speaking of eerie things but fun things, uh, the Dusty Armadillo, every Tuesday and Thursday through the month of October, it is the Halloween pop-up bar. And it's Halloween-themed food and drink specials and decor and Halloween fun. That's every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 p.m. till 10 p.m. If you're looking for some extra Halloween fun through the month of October, the Halloween pop-up bar every Tuesday and Thursday at the Dusty Armadillo, Route 44 in Rootstown. And also, speaking of the Dusty, one more Sunday fun day left this Sunday, October 16th. That's the final one of the year. Come on out for world-class Bloody Marys and mimosas and great food off the grill, and I'll be there spinning tunes and having fun. So it's the final chance to get out there to the Dusty on a Sunday, this Sunday, October 16th. That goes from noon till 7, rain or shine. Hopefully I'll see you there. Get more details at DustyA.com. All right, and uh, sticking with the lighter theme uh, on the movies, you ever watch a movie, it's one of your favorites, but there's just that one part of it that <laughs> just kind of bothers you a little bit. Otherwise, you love the movie. And I guess you could watch any movie and you could find a flaw with it somewhere. No doubt. I don't know that there is the perfect movie that you go, you know what? Nothing wrong with all the way through. Every scene made sense. Everything was logically sound and we're all good to go. There's, there's always something you could find in a movie somewhere that makes you go, eh, I wish they would have thought of something else there. And I have three, I'll bring, there's more than that with me, but there's three of my favorite movies I'll quickly talk about. First one is Die Hard. Die Hard is my absolute favorite action movie of all time, but there is one scene in it. And if you've seen Die Hard, you'll know what I'm talking about as I describe it. If you've not seen it, you should. It's the godfather of action movies. There were action movies before this movie, but afterwards, this was 1988. It came out, I believe. Still to today, it's the blueprint for big action movies. And uh, it's just the best one, in my opinion. But there's a scene in the elevator shaft. He's got the machine gun with the strap. And he's he's hanging out in the elevator shaft. And he's, he's trying to get to the other opening down yonder, <laughs> right? Anyway, the strap comes loose. He free falls, but he catches himself in free fall a couple stories down uh, with his fingertips an event opening. And I just go, that's impossible. That couldn't happen. I don't care how strong you are and how light you were or what you free fall in an elevator shaft. You're not going to be able to stop your fall and catch yourself on a slick metal surface in a small vent shaft with your fingertips. And then he's got to crawl into the vent opening, which they actually never show. Cause that is also physically impossible, scientifically, physically, trigonomically, if that is even, I don't know. I, I know it wasn't a trig guy. I don't know if that applies to this, <laughs> but, but uh, it couldn't happen. So they never actually show him climbing in. Uh, you see him hanging there. He starts to shuffle his feet a bit against the wall. They go to another scene. They come back. He's in the shaft or he's in the, uh, the vent already. So that always bothered me a little bit. Rest of the movie. Fantastic. And I can look past that because it is such a fantastic movie. I go, all right, I'll suspend belief for a minute. And now we're back on track. So that's just a minor flaw. Look past that. Let's ramp it up a little bit with the second movie I want to talk about. 
And that is Field of Dreams. Top five movie for me of all time. Field of Dreams. Love this movie. What could possibly be wrong with it? Well, I just have a simple math problem with it. And here it is. There's a part of the story, a big part of the story is the fact that he plows some of his field over, or he, he, he gets rid of the crop to make the baseball field. And with that, now here comes the bank later on and the, the brother-in-law, and he's like, look, you can't use that land for a baseball field because you're losing so much money because of that field, you're going to lose the farm. And I go, wait a minute, let me do the math here. So I look up some simple stuff with it. First of all, the cornfield out there in Iowa that they shot this on that he would have owned was about 200 acres. Okay. A baseball field is a little under four acres, and they said they used about three and a half acres for the Field of Dreams field. So out of 200 acres, you take three acres of it. That's a very small percentage. Then I start looking at it like, what, 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 how much money do you make off an acre of corn? When there's bushels and how many you can get, whatever. Anyway, it turns out it's a few hundred bucks. Okay. So let's even say he used four acres and it's 300 bucks per, let's even go four. We'll go 400 bucks an acre, four acres, $1,600. All right. That's a little hit for the year, but is that going to sink you? Is that going to be enough to make you lose the farm and the house and can't pay the mortgage and and everything is going to be gone because he built this field that they're imploring him? You, you got to get rid of the field. You got to put crops back on the field so you can make, what, a, a few hundred more bucks next year? And so that, and and when I first watched the movie, it never occurred to me. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a few years ago, it sort of dawned on me. I go, if you just subtracted three or four acres from a, a big farm like that, would would they would they have to foreclose eventually? And I think the answer is no. But I can look past it and still enjoy the movie. It's still one of my most favorite movies of all time. So now let's ramp it up just a little more on the third one I'm talking about today. Uh, and this one's full of holes. This one you could sit back and just go... What's going on here? I'm talking about The Breakfast Club. 80s movie, John Hughes, classic. Love The Breakfast Club. But yes, you could sit there all day and go, okay, what? The principal's not going to sit there and watch him all day. And now he's going to let them run around. And they're going to play loud music and shatter windows. And they're smoking pot in the library. And (laughs) doing whatever they want to do for eight hours all day long on a Saturday while the principal is goofing around somewhere else. And I get it. You got to suspend belief a little bit for that because that makes the story. But the one thing that really stuck out to me with this one was the Ali Sheedy character, when she comes in, she's the emo-ish one wearing the dark clothes. And uh, and so she's in the, right in the beginning, she's drawing a, a, like a winter scene picture. They show her uh, like uh, tussling her hair, her own hair over a picture. And there's so much dandruff in her hair, it's making snow on the picture, which is to imply that she's not the cleanest girl in the world, (laughs) right? That's just simple. Okay. We got that. She's the weird girl because they had everybody had the jock and they had the, the, the popular princess girl and they had the burnout and they had the nerd. And then they have the emo weirdish girl, right? And, and and that was her. That was the Ali Sheedy character. Well, fast forward to the end, and they're all sort of friends now. And Molly Ringwald's character takes Ali Sheedy somewhere, and she dolls her up. So she doesn't want her to look like 
uh, the weird girl anymore, as they would have referred to her back then, even today. Uh, and she puts makeup on her and puts her hair back, and now she's presentable, <laughs> right? And she brings her out, and Emilio Estevez, he's the jock. He looks at her, and he's like, oh, wow, look at that. And now they're going to be boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever it is. Um, and I even then, even when I was young, first seeing this, I the my thought was you can comb her hair and you can doll her up and you can put makeup on her. But as they presented her in the movie to begin with, as the not clean girl, and she had to have just being blunt, she had to have not smelled that great. There, <laughs> there would have had, especially sitting around in a dark, heavy coat all day long, when you assume that maybe she didn't bathe to begin with, and she's there for eight hours in this room they're running around she what there had to be some sort of major bo going on there and you can look past a lot of things if you're enamored with somebody but well, i tell you a bad odor just ruins the day it, <laughs> it really puts the stop on a lot of things and then and even now i'm like yeah she's got some makeup on She's got the hair clip in, but she couldn't have smelled very good. And since, well, as an audience member, you can't smell the movies. So as a movie maker, they figure, well, we can get away with that. Who's going to figure that out? Who's going to think of that? Well, I did. <laughs> and, it's, and it bothers me to this day. And that's it. So what do we learn today? Not much, but um, I tell you what, if you have one of those scenes that kind of bugs you about a movie... And if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you follow me, shoot me a message. Put in your two cents. I'd love to hear from you with that as well. So wrap it up for today. Hey, I have a uh, company called Ten Steel Productions. If you have a business uh, or service and you need a video ad to put on social media, that's what I do. Film it, edit it, write it, add sound effects, add a special effects. Uh, I voice it, of course, and it's yours to keep forever. I do it at a great price. I also do voiceover work as well. If you need me and my voice for a project of yours, I can do that too. KenSteelProductions.com is the website to go to to check that out. And uh, until next time, have a great one, and I'll talk to you then. This is a Ken Steel Productions uh, production. <laughs>